Welcome to Porcelain Peak, a strange and scary podcast covering all things horror and science fiction. Well, thank you, Constance, for that beautiful intro. As she said, I am Anthony, and I am joined by John and Anthony. How are you fellas doing this week? Doing all right. I have the day off tomorrow, and I am excited to uh, continue our quest through our 31 horror movies. I'm feeling very spooky. Are we <laughs> not all doing creepy voices now? I thought this was the plan for October. <laughs> Most certainly not. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm caffeinated, and I'm... Feeling ready to go. Apparently feeling weird. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's always, though. The way we like it. So this week, we are going to be talking about the first set of our 31 Terror Tales. Bring yeah. back the bit. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to mainly focus on three of them. And then the other four, we're going to tell you whether or not we would recommend them to you guys. And just touch on those briefly. And then this, we are also going to talk about some other things that get us in the spooky mood, including music and maybe some food and shit like that. Later in the episode, we are going to give you our recommendations, but also a sneak peek at the seven movies that we are going to be watching for next week. But before we get into any of that business, we'll start you off with some news. <laughs> So obviously, biggest piece of news right off the bat, Sony and Marvel managed to uh, make up their differences and Spider-Man will be coming back to the MCU for the foreseeable future. It looks like they've already got a movie slated for 2021. They're also approving Spider-Man's usage in, like, Venom, so that Venom might actually be in the MCU. There's a whole bunch of weird layers to this, and I don't know how they managed to make it work, but I'm happy for it. Yeah, as an incessant and probably annoying to most people Spider-Man fan, I was super... I mean, to me, it was inevitable, but I'm super excited about it. Uh, I I definitely think that Sony is getting a, a better deal now, which is good. I think that... For the longevity of that partnership, it's a really good idea that they worked things out. You know, mm -hmm. mom and dad are getting remarried. It's, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I'm excited about it. I guess Sony still has plans now to do a kind of live-action Spider-Verse. They've still got all their other stuff slated, but at least we'll be sticking with the crew that's worked out for the last two movies. I just picked up Far From Home on 4K yesterday, so Dope. I'm super excited to check that out. I think it's funny that Spider-Man of all the characters is going to be the one that's going to be in two different universes. <laughs> like, it works out perfectly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Along those same lines, it looks like they're going to be doing a She-Hulk show. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? I... <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal with airline food and large green women? Yeah, I mean, I don't know um, how much this is maybe some sort of look into how people just are so focused on the female 
body in general when it comes to things like this, but people are very, very concerned and discussing what they're going to do about how she's going to look. Is she going to be CG like Ruffalo? Is she going to be, are they going to need to cast like a Ronda Rousey type, you know, wrestler, bodybuilder, UFC like person? Like Luke Rigno style? Yeah, yeah. And, and nobody really knows at this point. I'm interested to see what they do, but I mean, obviously they have different outlets they can go they can Mm -hmm. go the cg route and they obviously have gotten better and better with that over time with ruffalo to where in endgame it just looked like giant green ruffalo yeah so they can do it i think that the main goal at this point needs to just be getting a good actress to to play the part i'm definitely excited to see a lot of this stuff i know they're doing moon knight they're doing she hulk they're doing all kinds of these different kind of weird side characters that we wouldn't have expected and it just makes me more excited. I, I fell off of the the Netflix Marvel stuff, but I'll be getting Disney Plus, so I, I might as well check all the stuff out when it comes out. I'll be interested to see what they do with the boobs, <laughs> because they're probably gonna they're gonna put they're gonna put them in things. <laughs> yeah, but why? Because when the Hulk rips out, he's just hulked out. So they're let him they're... fly, baby. <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna have, she's gonna have pants that just pull all the way up to her neck. <laughs> Those magic Hulk pants. There there are a few different iterations of She-Hulk, and in some of them she's all Hulk-roided out, and in some situations she just looks like a tall green woman. I I would not be surprised if they go the route that they did with the Professor Hulk thing and just Mm. do the act. Because she stays as She-Hulk most of the time in the comics. She's not like the Hulk where... I mean, she's more like Professor Hulk where she stays in her Hulk form the majority of the time in public and everything. So I think they are just going to do a slightly CG augmented version of whatever actress they choose for the character. Well, now, and also has the majority of the control over her faculties and all that stuff too. Yeah. She can go to the bathroom by herself. Yep. (laughs) Potty train. (laughs) Any news on your end, Anthony? Yeah. So I was actually excited to do some horror news now that we're firmly in that territory. Spooky season. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard, but Nickelodeon is doing a three-part miniseries revival of Are You Afraid of the Dark? I did not. Which is exciting because especially the intro to that show we've discussed before used to scare the shit out of me. And I actually really liked the show when I was a kid. They're going to be premiering it at Beyond Fest coming up on the 7th. And then the miniseries is going to be premiering on Nickelodeon on the 11th. So, yeah, three parts. sounds like it has some good talent behind it i'm definitely interested to see what they do if they're going to be longer episodes like each one's going to be like a movie maybe an anthology i like the the original show i don't know uh the little bit that i read just said i feel like there's been a little bit of little snippets of news about it and i'd heard about it a couple weeks ago but um just looking up for the news and everything here it looks like we're getting it pretty soon so i'm excited about that and then outside of that we have the castle rock season two coming up Pretty soon, also in horror territory, that's going to be a misery prequel. It's, you know, misery comes to Castle Rock is the tagline or whatever. So it, it, I, I'm excited about that. I liked the first season. I never checked it out, but I remember you liking it when it was premiering. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I'm just excited for more stuff. That's, you know, getting into that more later. T- t- horror TV is a big part of what gets me in the, in the, in the, in the mood in October for... Yeah. All the spookiness. Definitely agree with that. In similar vein, obviously, uh, with Stephen King adaptations, Tone and I, last night, we actually got to check out a screening of The Shining. Yeah, and that was amazing. Yeah, it was one of my 
Uh, similar to earlier this year when I went to go see The Thing at our local art house, it was a one of those bucket list things where getting to see one of my favorite horror movies of all time on the big screen was just super entertaining and definitely was a a lot of fun and getting to see some of the beautiful cinematography it, you know on that big of a screen was just incredible yeah and i mean seeing any kubrick on the big screen is exciting but especially the shining and uh, it's an awesome way to start off october oh yeah yeah and besides having to tell the guy ahead of us to put his fucking phone away the rest of the experience was really solid. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll we'll have to do that that episode, even if it's just a bonus of our worst like theater experiences. We'll definitely have to touch on that. Yeah, sounds nice. Wish I could have went. So let's move on <laughs> to trivia. Trivia. <laughs> oh my god, it's a fucking wall of sound. Here's how we play. I ask a question. All right, let's get in, John, to the first question from the Pass the Popcorn Thrills and Chills edition. You have a 2005 monster movie, and your quote is, It wasn't the airplanes. It was the beauty killed the beast. Give me a second clue. So the second clue is going to be the characters, and that's going to be Naomi Watts as actress Anne Darrow and Carl Denham. Is it King Kong? It is King Kong for Fucking three points to John. I would have been Russia. so upset at you if you hadn't gotten that. Speaking of trivia, we had that stump question last week about that Jack Nicholson movie, and we had someone write in, and it turns out it was The Witches of Eastwick. So yes, it was. Shout out to Maude Hepburn. All right. You have a 1985 thriller. You shouldn't lose your temper, Charlie. It isn't polite. Next clue. I'm not sure. Character, Charlie Brewster, evil Ed Thompson. Those were air quotes, by the way. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to go for the next one. Next one. We are looking at scene. A former TV host burns a crucifix into the forehead of a young vampire. Yeah, just give me one more clue. A young man becomes convinced a vampire has moved into the house next door. Fright Night. It is Fright Night for one point. I knew I recognize the name. All right, you got a 1999 thriller, and your quote is, their heads weren't found severed. Their heads weren't found at all. I'm going to be so mad if we have to go to characters on this one. Really? Yeah. Why? Because then it gets crazy easy. Oh, that's the next category, isn't it? Yeah. So I would tie with John. So yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> characters. The Headless Horseman, Johnny Depp as Ichabod Crane. Oh, that's going to be Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> you got it. Uh, their heads weren't found at all. All right. All right. Round two. Three, three for you and me. Bye bye, phone. One for Mr. Silva. Okay, John, your next one is going to be a 1990 horror. And the quote is a tagline, and it's eight legs, two fangs, and an attitude. Is it arachnophobia? It is arachnophobia for four. Nice. I was like, if he says eight-legged freaks. Eight-legged <laughs> freaks came out in the late 90s. So if I do better on this one. 1999 thriller. I'm afraid to close my eyes. I'm afraid to open them. Let's go with characters. Documentarians, Heather Donahue and her two friends. The Blair Witch Project. It is the Blair Witch Project for three. That put you at four? Yep. Yep. And you're at seven? Yep. Oh, shit. 
Be an easy one. Please be an easy one. Please be the hardest fucking card in that fucking goddamn box. 1987 sci-fi, your quote is, she says the jungle just came alive and took him. Swamp Thing. Ooh, incorrect. Ah, dang. I was going to say Predator, but it's not. It's definitely not Predator. It's Predator. It's Predator? Yep. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say, listeners, if you know that one, but lucky guess on John's part. Damn, so you win with 11. 11 points, because I got three on the first one. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And I remain in my losing streak. All right, well, that's going to be the end of news and trivia. If you enjoyed those segments, then hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode, and we do that stuff every week. That being said, we are going to jump into our main course for today, and the first part is going to be about what gets us in the spooky mood. I know this steak doesn't exist. I know that when I put it in my mouth... The Matrix is telling my brain that it is juicy and delicious. After nine years, you know what I realize? (sighs) Ignorance is bliss. All right, so I think a lot of what gets us in the mood, I mean, if you're super white which we all are than uh pumpkin spice <laughs> i mean honestly in my case i hate pumpkin spice yeah so. I'm not a big fan. i don't think i've ever had a pumpkin spice you've also latte. you've also worked for for the evil medusa so like yeah so like... i've i've had my i i've bathed in the pumpkin spice through working at starbucks yeah um i guess initially the weather it's starting to cool down finally and it seemed oh, like yeah. it happened right when it hit october so that was dope yeah, it's gonna get a little TMI. I know as soon as my balls aren't just dripping with sweat. <laughs> you're right, you're being, right, John. That was definitely that we, TMI. Being that we live in a sweltering part of California, it's definitely once things start to cool down, I can put on long pants, long sleeve shirts, sweaters, jackets, like all of my all of my favorite parts of my wardrobe break their way out. In, that that's in what I was gonna say is that we tend to have summers that are very extended compared to a lot of other places where our summers really drag through August and September, and then like you were saying, Anthony, October hits, and that's typically when the temperature drops, you know, fifteen, you know, or so degrees, and yeah, and then I can start layering. And that's when I know that's the first little hint of the excitement, you know, of, of, of feeling, okay, it's, it's Halloween time. Um, outside of the weather, for me, it's just seeing decorations and stuff start to pop up. I, when I'm bored, I go to Spirit Halloween, which is a Halloween store that we have in this area that pops up every year. I go to Target. I look at their Halloween stuff. When I see their, their little signs pop up for Halloween, first it starts with the greeting cards, and then it spreads to the back of the store. I'm there. I'm looking at all their stuff. Michael's has great Halloween stuff. I jumped to all these different businesses. I went to Johan's Fabrics the other day and looked at their <laughs> Halloween stuff because I, I get bored and I just want to see what I can do to kind of spruce up my bedroom, make it a little spooky cave for me to watch my horror movies in for our 31 <laughs> ter- uh, Terror Tales. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good one in the spirit. When I start to see those banners going up on these old buildings that haven't been used in months, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. Well, and the, banner, the banners have been the same since we were kids. Like, they've, nev- they've really never changed those banners, so it's it, it really feels like a tradition in this area. Yeah, it's like, oh, hey, that thing that used to be Sports Authority. <laughs> yeah, it's spirit today. <laughs> and they change it so you never know where it's going to pop yeah, up. Yeah, it's like last year it was down the street, 
and now it's not anywhere over here. It's like one of those crazy like pop up like like restaurants that they'll do for like thirty days or whatever in like the Bay Area or in uh, like Southern California. Like it's just like all of a sudden like some like really famous chef will pop up and do like two weeks in one place, and it's like that's how it feels for the people who enjoy the spooks. You know, it's definitely a uh, a nostalgic feeling seeing those stores popping up and being able to actually go in, look for cool stuff, you know, stuff you can throw in the front yard or around your bedroom, like you were saying. Like, I, I love having that stuff. Also, other retail businesses start to jump into the game as well. I, Being that I work uh, near a shopping mall, I like to be able to go in and hop into, like, Hot Topic or Spencer's Gifts or Box Lunch or what have you and find, like, cool shit to decorate my personage with you know yeah. <laughs> finding really cool like horror themed shirts like right today i'm wearing a a shirt that has a uh, ghost face on it but it says slasher like in the font of the uh, thrasher the thrasher brand and i have two of these shirts that i got from box lunch but like i just love being able to find cool swag yeah, and i think something else for me is this was more a thing when i was younger but tv programming when I was younger, it was always really exciting for like ABC Family or something to do their 31 nights of Halloween or you get your 13 days of Halloween. And you get all these uh, – everything starts to show the spooky stuff or the classic things like Hocus Pocus and things like that, Halloween great, Town. Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Yeah, exactly. And so now more it's stuff pops up on streaming. You, you get a lot more horror content coming out that's really inundating you in October. And that always gets me super, super excited about Halloween and about the season is having new Halloween or horror content. Yeah, shows start popping up, movies start popping up, and it's awesome. Because then when you binge it, like we do, I mean, we do it year-round, but then we do it excessively during the month. <laughs> yeah, we it's, really it's OD on, on the horror stuff oh, yeah. this time, yeah. Um, I Now that my starve or whatever is over... I've watched more than our list. I just keep going. And as soon as one's over, I'm like, okay, let's go to the next one. Let's do the mm. next thing. Let's do the next thing. Yeah. Because I can't get enough. Well, and then, like, um, our local art house theater uh, is showing, like, every single weekend they're going to be showing a different, like, like classic or modern classic horror film. And then, plus, they're doing it at some of the larger theater chains now, too. Like, we got to see The Shining. Like, it's it's really cool to see that becoming a new thing to treat as kind of like a tradition. Like, oh when halloween starts to get closer we'll get to actually get to go see some of like those old classics in theaters and like those are things that make me really excited yeah things that we love but weren't around for and now we get to experience it like we were well yeah it's just really exciting to see other people kind of get on the the bandwagon that we're on all year we're all obviously we do a podcast about horror and sci-fi we're into those things year round like you were saying it's exciting for everyone else to get on board with it. And you feel like there's this camaraderie of everyone wanting to feel the spooky spirit um, that you don't really get all year because not everyone loves horror as much as we do. Yeah. So you get people actually wanting to talk to you about horror movies and what's on TV and wanting to talk about dressing up and throwing parties and, you know, what we're going to eat at the parties. Then you get all of your fall food starts to kind of come into the, into the, the 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 menu and everything. Right, and, and along those same lines, the place I work, we decorate for the season. And so everything is boo this and boo that, and we got ghosts up all over the walls and shit. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, yes, this is where I want to be. And then one of my coworkers, 
made cupcakes. <laughs> oh, nice. With uh, bloody fingers on them. So, oh, yeah, yeah. You sent us a picture. Yeah, those are cool. That was pretty cool. And she was like, yeah, I'm going to do one every Monday for the for the month. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude. You're like, sweet cupcakes. Let me get one. Yeah, yeah. People, <laughs> people get on board and they start wanting to do stuff like that. And uh, it just makes everywhere feel like home. Like you walk into a place and you just feel so... I just, I know me personally, I just feel so comfortable walking into a, into a place and seeing a giant Pennywise or, you know, little ghosts. And I just love, uh, my girlfriend was saying the other day that she wants to live on a Christmas tree lane, but for Halloween, because we were just driving around the other day and I was just scouting out the few places that already have Halloween lights out and decorations yeah. and projections and things like that. And being able to see the little, it's the same way I get excited about Christmas is seeing just little bits and pieces and then as you get closer to halloween you start to see more people with stuff in their yards and then by the time you get to halloween everybody's decorating and that's always really exciting to kind of like do a little slow drive around the neighborhood and see who is in the halloween spirit yeah. i think that's a good point though because christmas is the one where people tend to decorate the outside and the inside a lot and we see that across the board pretty well and now halloween is growing i feel like to that same size where more and more people are decorating more and more. Like, we're getting the insides, we're getting the outsides. People do haunts in their garages or whatever, and it's cool to see it kind of grow. And speaking of haunts, that's another thing that I get really excited about about this time of year is going to the local haunts at the fairgrounds, or um, they have the one that they do at the Halloween Guys store that we have mm -hmm. over here. Um, some people do it at their houses where they'll just throw up some tarps and do these little haunts. I've worked at a haunt before. Um, at a house and that was a ton of fun and i love just going through those because i don't get very scared by horror movies most of the time unless it's hell house um <laughs> but yeah i love going and getting that little adrenaline rush of going through a haunt even if it lasts me five minutes and i'm power walking through it you know seeing w different ways that people think they can scare me yeah, and we talked about doing an episode uh, for you guys coming up later this month and talking to you about some of our experiences with these haunts. And one of the things that we do in our area is corn mazes, and those are always pretty fun. So we might give you guys an episode talking more about that if we can get around to doing it, which we need to do. Yeah, corn maze. Uh, I love going to the pumpkin patch. I already have an idea for what I'm going to – I still love to do pumpkin carving. Um, when I was a child, it was always pumpkin drawing, so the opportunity to take out some – sharp objects and actually carve into a pumpkin as an adult i'm like yes i'm finally grown up enough to do that <laughs> at 27 years old uh so yeah i get really excited about going to the pumpkin patch and picking out the perfect weird looking pumpkin and doing a really cool design so one of the things that we discussed thoroughly and we want to share that with you extensively is our love for spooky music to really get us in the mood and to talk about that, we decided to make you a 31 Terror Tunes playlist. So we have that on Apple Music and we have that on Spotify. And it's just a collection of songs from the three of us that we enjoy and that get us into that spooky mood. So we're going to talk to you guys a little bit about that. Yeah, so I'll kind of start off. Um, there are definitely a few artists that really jump out to me that that do things to try to make really, like, interesting and spooky spooky music um one of them right off the bat there's a pair of fairly underground rappers who do um who do more of like nerdy type of stuff like they'll talk, they'll rap about like video games and stuff like at like almost like every halloween they'll release an, uh, a co-op album called um ghosts and ghouls oh cool and so i think they've done three of them so far the rappers are mega ran and richie branson 
And then they'll just have a whole bunch of other like more like underground or like lesser known rappers come on and they'll do features. Uh, one of them is 28 and that's to the uh, to the tune of 28 Days Later, the the theme, which always, rad, dude. always so cool, gets yeah. me fucking spice stuff. I love that shit. And then the the bars that he dropped on that shit were just fire. So good. The the taking trips with body bags as luggage. I love that. Yeah, one. I hadn't heard that song before or about the project, and I was like, "Wow, man, John, you're pulling out some <laughs> some cool little uh, deep cuts." One of the ones that Anthony and I really gravitate toward is Dead Man's Bones. Yeah, that's been something that we've been into. That's uh, Ryan Gosling, uh, the one of my favorite actors, and his friend, whose name I'm sorry I forget at this point. Um, <laughs> They, it's their little. It was their one time. They did it with the Silver Lake Children's Choir, and they just did a Halloween album, kind of in the vein of like an old school monster mashy, you know. But it's it's a cool little mix of kind of more rock, but also the 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 more, more like spooky indie singer songwriterish kind of feel too. Yeah, very uh, idiosyncratic with some little spoken word bits, and that's something that. Anthony and I have listened to every year when it gets to October. I I say I try to save it. I try not to listen to any Dead Man's Bones until it hits October first. <laughs> and when it did hit October first, I woke up in the morning and boom, Dead Man's Bones on Spotify. Yeah, and I, I just listened to it all day. I didn't know it existed until you guys told me about it. I think like two or three years ago. Yeah, it's it's so good. It's and a tradition. It's random yeah. that it's Ryan Gosling. It's so interesting and it's cool. Yeah, he just was like, "Fuck it, let's make a Halloween record." And we only put a few songs. Or I think we did two it's on two. the playlist. But I mean, the whole record really is is spooky. And it's if you're into Monster Mash, but with a little more modern twist on it, then I think that you'll really dig that one. Well, I mean, speaking of classics like Monster Mash, those do show up on the Terror Tunes playlist. We have mo- things like Monster Mash. We got you know Spooky Scary Skeletons. Spooky Scary Skeletons. <laughs> we got some uh, classics like you know your Thriller on there, and and things like that. Some like uh, CCR, yeah, and then another another band that that was really important to me, like in like my my like late teens, early twenties. Uh, they're called Ludo. I've been to like three or four of their shows. They are no longer a thing, unfortunately. Uh, they still uh, like because they do write the occasional spooky tune, and for no reason at all. It's not like for the holidays or anything. It's just something that they like to do. Um, they every year around Halloween they get back together to do like a series of shows around Chicago where they're from. Um, but I've actually been to one of their Halloween shows they did in San Francisco, and they came out. They were all dressed up, and like they they played a set, and it was just super dope. But the there are a couple songs from them on here, but the big one that that I really love is called "The Horror of Our Love." It's a little bit of a slower tune, but it's just it's so haunting, and the music is so well done, and the lyrics just they have like. They have this really creepy bite about them, but they're also like, it's also supposed to like be about someone who's in love, yeah. but doesn't know what to do with that energy. Like it's, it's, it's a dope song. I really like them a lot. Well, and I got to shout out one um, that I recommended that we put on the playlist that pops up there that I've been listening to pretty constantly. And I got to shout them out because I'm wearing a shirt with the album cover on it, but <laughs> Bauhaus, Bella Lugosi's dead. Uh, I actually Classic. made made this shirt specifically because I wanted to make a spooky shirt, and I've been I've had that song stuck in my head for the past couple days. So, so yeah. good, yeah. I mean, I know we have a little bit of if you want to talk about Anthony, some some scores, some some music from some scores on there. Yeah, we do got some scores. We got the the nightmare theme, and we got stuff from It Follows, <laughs> and uh, we got some Carpenter stuff on there, which is really cool. So I, I mentioned it last week as a recommendation. So we have music that John Carpenter made as just music. 
um, from one of his Lost Themes records. But then we also have the Halloween theme on there because what gets you more in the mood for Halloween than fucking Halloween? Than Halloween, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've known the Halloween theme since before I ever saw Halloween. Agreed, same. Yeah, it was just a classic thing that you heard when you were out trick-or-treating or going through a haunt. And he's, I mean, he's just as good at making music as he is at making movies. Like, he tours now for music, and I don't think he's made a movie in years. If you're into the music that is in his movies, then you'll like these records because it is just that same kind of synthesizer feel, and mm -hmm. it's very spooky, you know, and with the offbeats and everything, and I, I mean, I really enjoy it. Yeah, the track that we picked from from his Lost Themes is called Night, and it's, it's we I I love that track, and it's just something that... It's so like that that droning, just like the really like viscerally upsetting type of music that I just love around this time of year. And I figured that was a perfect track to kick off the playlist and start it off with kind of a bang. Yeah, and I don't I don't want to spend too much time going through all of them, but we definitely have some classics on there. We got some Rob Zombie stuff, definitely some Misfits stuff, and we got some AFI stuff. And then we got some more fun stuff that are a little bit more kid oriented and some silly stuff that you might not expect. So definitely check that out. If you subscribe to Apple Music, then it's on there. It is called 31 Terror Tales. And if you're on Spotify, it's on there too. All right. So that's going to be the end of what gets us in the spooky mood. So now we are going to dive into our 31 Terror Tales. <laughs> so this week we tried to watch seven movies that were centered around Halloween. And this proved to be a bit of a task was, compared to some of the movies that we normally watch. It was definitely a taxing endeavor for sure. Yeah. yeah and I mean, if, if you haven't read the post um, yet on our Instagram page, this started a few years back. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I didn't invent the idea of doing the 31 movies or the, the horror marathon, but it was something that I wanted to do because as an adult, I felt like it was becoming more difficult to naturally get into the Halloween spirit with things like trick-or-treating, not really being much of a thing, and people being busier with work and stuff. So I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to put together a list of 31 horror movies, which the first time I did it was super easy because I didn't put any rules on it. I just said, put my favorites on there, and it was crazy easy. And every year since then, it's gotten harder because then it became let's not repeat except until you know the classics like halloween things like trick-or-treat at the end it became let's do things that we haven't seen that makes the job a lot harder when you're people like <laughs> us who have seen basically every halfway decent horror movie that exists um so getting to this year it was definitely a project for us to get together a, a 31 list of, of movies that we hadn't seen and we try to do different stuff so this week's one thing next week's going to be something different the week after that's going to be something different and then we'll so circle back around to halloween stuff yeah well and i think that that the fact that we were able to sit down basically in one sitting i mean it took us a little while but sit down in one sitting and come up with our list like actually when we actually kind of set our minds to it i think that we found some things that are going to be interesting to discuss Maybe not as interesting to watch, but definitely interesting <laughs> to discuss. Um, but there are some gems on this list. There are some definite things that I'm really excited to see, especially considering there's a lot of stuff on here I haven't seen before. Yeah. Most of these I don't think any of us have seen. No. Except for you've seen, seen some of them from next week. Yeah. And then the end we've all yeah. seen. So, and then some of the shows. Yeah. Because uh, we're going to do a week of that too. So the first one right off the bat is one that we'll actually sit and discuss a little bit. And Anthony, I think this was the one that you picked to discuss this week, and that is going to be called All Hallows' Eve. Yeah, so going into this one, 
my immediate thought was, okay, it's an anthology sort of short film thing. I, I knew a little bit of background from it. Uh, going in, the poster was creepy. It has the character that shows up kind of connecting as, as connective tissue in the story, Art the Clown. So the cover looked creepy. I liked the title. Went in not really knowing too much, just knowing, okay, there's three stories and they're, they're kind of pulling from the director's previous work. And it wasn't my favorite from the list. We'll discuss some of the ones that I, I liked more as we, we get to the ones that you guys picked. I thought that this one was hit or miss, but it had enough going for it where it was worthwhile. I didn't feel like I wasted my time. It has a a an overarching narrative where a... Uh, a, a young boy finds a mysterious videotape in his candy bag. He insists that the tape, the babysitter put the tape in and that's where we get the three horror shorts that we have. Um, Interesting idea and kind of creepy. And we yeah. talked about maybe we should do that. <laughs> yeah. Get really meta and just put this movie on a tape and then put it in some kid's bag. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a great idea. That's might get us arrested, but <laughs> definitely will get us arrested. Yeah. I mean the, the, the shorts are, like I said, hit or miss. The first one started out pretty creepy, interesting, had Art the Clown. You can tell that it's an earlier version of that character because he yeah. doesn't have all the prosthetics and things, which I had noticed as I was watching that it's definitely a short that was pulled from an earlier project that the director did. Um, but it's got some satanic cult stuff in it, and that's kind of played out at this point. So that one was all right. Then we go into a second short that is... Probably the weakest of the... Definitely the weakest. Oh, by a long shot. It felt like a really bad Twilight Zone, like, 80s revival episode with just... It, it, it's an alien episode or an alien short. It's really not that great. It's it, You could definitely skip it. Where I think the movie really sticks it is in the last short and in the ending of the movie. So the last short is filmed kind of in a, a an old-style kind of 80s film grain um kind of format it's basically just this woman being stalked by art the clown which i i felt he was the strongest part of the movie in general yeah so having him be the main focus of the last short and having it in that style has a great kind of synth score that really fits the mood that one also has a kind of twilight zone feel isn't there an episode of twilight zone like the hitcher where the girls driving and then keep seeing the same dude yeah and that totally happens yeah she keeps seeing the clown (laughs) And the design on the clown in this one, especially, you know, it, he's obviously spun off now into the, the movie Terrifier and, and he's shown up in other things. Mm-hmm. But with the prosthetics and everything, he's a really creepy figure. And the way he doesn't talk or make any noise, he just silently laughs and, and cuts people up. The, the last one I felt like really got me. It, it actually creeped me out. And then the actual ending of the movie with some of the stuff with the clown and how it ties into the overarching narrative that I talked about earlier with the babysitter and the kids – I felt like that's where the movie really had its strong point. So it's definitely one worth checking out if you want to get into that Halloween mood. It has enough Halloween going on, especially in the narrative that surrounds the whole movie, that you could put it on your list if you were looking to make a little short list um, and and you, you haven't seen it and it sounds interesting from what I rambled about it. <laughs> then, yeah, I, w- I would recommend maybe checking it out. Do you guys have any? I liked the narrative. Mm-hmm. I thought that... When we, I mean, we, you know, when we get these anthology movies, sometimes they try to add in a narrative connecting them, and it doesn't always work. And with this one, it worked pretty well. It was a little bit more fleshed out than we've seen in the past. And the only problem that I had with it is during the first short, it kept cutting back to the family, watching the tape, and back to the story. And I really wanted to get 
more into the story and it kept mm -hmm. kind of pulling me out. So that was a little bit frustrating. And like you were saying, people watching the movie, I don't need to see. Like, yeah. I, I'm watching the movie. I'm I watching the it. movie, yeah. <laughs> and, they, and, then, and then they don't really do that too much in the alien one for the rest of it or i don't think they do it almost at all in the very last one yeah yeah and so that was cool and then, and then you know you start to take kind of more of the tension and then that becomes its own part of the anthology like it's an anthology in itself yeah or it's a short in itself you know and and it ended up being pretty creepy and kind of fucked up so yeah definitely it's it's a it's a brutal movie in in some parts i would definitely say don't watch it with the little ones <laughs> I yeah. love the effects in the final one though, like the like the practicals that they used for like him like cutting up that guy at the gas station and then when we have that final shot of of like her on the table and then you find out that like he's cut off all of her limbs and her boobs and like he's fucking like carved a bunch of shit into her, like it just looks super creepy. Yeah, it's grody for sure. And then just like like I said, it just adds to it a little bit, just that little like him just pointing and and you know silently laughing it's just fucking so creepy i love it yeah yeah definitely fucked that movie so would we recommend this one yeah i would say that it's it's worth checking out i yeah. would say it's definitely something you could watch i would say it's probably not something to watch on your final week you know like as for the like the things that you really really want to see but it's definitely a good starter like it, it got me in that mood it, it scratched that itch for me all right yeah so that's going to be Three recommendations all around. So the next one we are not going to discuss in depth. We'll talk about it briefly and tell you whether we recommend it. But on the second, we watched In Search of Lovecraft. And this was the first one that was difficult to get through. This is where we realized that we were not going to love every film, love every film that we put on this list this year. It looked like it was shot on a camcorder and... That's probably the nicest thing that I could say about it's it. It's poorly acted, terribly effect, affected. Like, it's no, nothing is done well. The concept is kind of bullshit. It just it doesn't work on just about any level. Yeah, I mean, you guys summed it up. There's not too much else I can say. It's really a shame that it even has the Lovecraft name attached to it because that was the reason that we picked it, I think, in the first place. Right. As being fans of Lovecraft. It's just... It's, it's a shameful movie, and I... I would absolutely not recommend it. Yeah, the, not recommend for me either. Yeah, the only positive review we saw on Rotten Tomatoes was from somebody who literally was like, oh, my boyfriend is in this. <laughs> yeah, he needs to get a different job. Yeah. So no from me, no from Anthony. No. <laughs> all right. Yeah, it's a nose all around. Perfect. So then let's move on to the third, which was 1988's Hollow Gate. So again, we'll talk about this one briefly, but we're not going to discuss this one much. This one was all right. It was fucking hysterical. <laughs> I mean, there are some things that we definitely cannot repeat on this podcast because we are three white men. But holy shit, was some of this so out of left field and hilarious. I, I took video of some of the scenes in this and sent them to a couple different people because it was just so ridiculously over the top. The only saving grace to this movie is the main actor portraying the crazy killer guy. Outside of that, it was I was very distracted. Would not recommend. I did like... The final girl, I will tell you that, because she fought mm -hmm. back. She poked him in the eye. Yeah. Like, she was actually more of a survivor than we've seen in some of these movies. Yeah, I just think it's very paint-by-numbers. There's yeah. a lot of movies that do that exact same plot line better, right. so that's why I would say not, not recommend on my part. It's also, going to be a no for me, too. The constant cutting back and forth to the cops at the restaurant, too. Uh, it, what's the point? Yeah, too but, much exposition. But yeah, I would say I don't recommend seeing this unless you're really looking for a laugh. Yeah, if you're desperate. All right, so then let's move on to 89's 
Clown House, which we watched on the 4th. So we are going to talk about this one a little bit. This is the one that I chose to talk about. So basically, a bunch of mental patients escape from an asylum, go to a circus, see that a kid gets scared by clowns, decide to kill clowns and take their costumes, and then stalk this boy and his two brothers. And, that, I mean, obviously clowns are pretty scary. That's why we get shit like It and Terrifier. And this one I thought was pretty cool. It it wasn't anything extravagant. The plot line is very simple. But I feel like if you wanted to remake this and tweak some stuff a little bit here and there, this movie would actually be decent. Yeah, and it would play into, like you were saying, the big clown scare movement that has been going on for the last couple of years. I think that if it did come out with a remake, uh, I'd be down to watch it. And they just do a lot of stalking, you know, and it's very much like tension building where mm-hmm. you see these clowns in a window and then you cut back and they're gone or you see them like run by or something like that and you get little bits here and there and the brothers are all you know they're brothers so they're kind of dicks and they fuck with each other so you don't know if it's them trying to pull one over or if it's actually the clown so you kind of don't know when to be scared or when to be like oh these fucking guys yeah there was one really memorable scene that stuck out to me where sam rockwell who's in this movie uh his first movie actually um, and, and we should say that this movie is directed by Victor Salva, who is more known for doing the Jeepers Creepers movie and even more well-known now for being a sexual predator. Literally on the set of this On film. the set of this film, which was a little bit distracting for me yeah. with some of the scenes in this movie. It's kind of something that I wish I hadn't known ahead of time. But putting that <laughs> aside, Sam Rockwell goes up to the attic to check the fuse box. There's a moment where he switches the fuse on and the light comes on for a second and you see one of the clowns run by in the background. And I thought, that's great. And there are some shots in this movie, too. Some kind of tracking, almost like Evil Dead type shots, where these perspective shots of the kids running up and down the stairs. And I love that it's very contained, where most of the movie takes place in this house. And you get a feel for what the house is like. It really is a movie that, for being older and probably pretty low budget, and being some of the first acting roles for these kids, I thought the kids were believable. I thought the clowns were creepy. I enjoyed it. I was I didn't find myself distracted through most of it. Yeah, I I think that I also found it really really uh distracting that I knew about the controversy pre pre watching the film. Um and that that's disgusting. There's there's no way we could at any point in time condone those types of actions. That person deserves to be buried under the prison. Um but as far <laughs> as the uh as far as the film is concerned, like I said, the I felt I felt like the acting performances were obviously the the biggest selling point for me. Uh, Sam Rockwell was Sam Rockwell then, like even though he hadn't been in a lot of things. I mean, I think before that it was just a couple of commercials and TV yeah, shows. Yeah, he was he was really good, and I think that uh, for me, the fact that they were able to have like an emotionally impactful moment throughout that that process. There's a moment where um, the youngest boy is is scared because he knows the clowns are following them. And he's like, he asks to hold his older brother's hand. And then like Sam Rockwell has to be like, ah, no, what are you gay? And then something like that. Right? And yeah. And then, and then like eventually relents and then, and then holds his hand out. And then is like, was like, you know who your best big brother is. And like, I thought I like, like I was like, Man, what the fuck you doing to me? I'm shy, brother. <laughs> well, and, and and that's something that I liked about it too was that that's a dynamic that I feel like you don't see super often is is like three brothers. Yeah, yeah. It's like their parents are gone. There really aren't any adults in the movie except for the clowns. And you get these three brothers, and you get this dynamic of like there's the oldest brother who feels like he has to be a man and he has to be the manly macho man, and then you have the two younger brothers where one's kind of in the middle. 
and he's kind of in between those states. And then you have the youngest brother who is obviously the most tuned into the scariness of the situation. And he's the one who really needs his older brothers. And so you get attached to these characters and when things start happening to them, you know, each different character, when things are happening, you're wondering how that's going to affect the dynamic. Well, and I think by the end, I think the youngest brother is the one who stepped up the most and the one who who really is pushing the plot forward and like actually like, you know, putting the team on his back. And I really liked that about this film. All that being said, movie's not perfect. There's Definitely. a lot of stuff that's very coincidental and like, well, guess that's what's happening next. And then there's not a ton of emotion when one of the brothers dies. <laughs> yeah, I kind of was like, did that actually happen? Because yeah. I didn't feel like there was enough it didn't resonate. Right, exactly. So, obviously not a perfect movie, but if you're in the mood for a low-budget 80s slasher, then I think this would be right up your alley, so that's going to be a recommend for me. And for me. I would definitely say yes as well. Like I said, I I enjoyed it, and having that first first foray into Sam Rockwell, you know, Academy Award-winning Sam Rockwell, I think that I think that it's worth it. Definitely. <laughs> All right, so we got three more for you coming up. Um, the next one is from the 5th, and it's going to be the 2014, that's very important, Mischief Night, because there's also a Mischief Night from 2013. Which caused us a little bit of trouble when we were trying to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So this one we're not going to discuss too much, but this was one of the, you know, better quality ones and kind of straightforward movies. Um, very weird, very weird. (laughs) It took a, it took a sharp turn that I was not expecting, um, and Brittany and I were just like, what the fuck is going on? Oh, yeah. Um, so it's... Stab me. Yeah, it was weird and um, a little bit predictable. I was yeah. like, okay, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the acting wasn't great. I mean, the acting was bad. The acting was bad. It outside was, it of was, Malcolm McDowell. It was bad. And I mean, Malcolm McDowell, you see that name and half the time... I mean, at this point, 75% of the time, I'm not excited when I see his name attached to anything, which is sad. <laughs> and he really is in the movie for maybe two minutes. And the best part of him is the bloopers at the end. Yeah, definitely. That might be the best part of the movie. Well, the fact that the movie has a blooper reel, I think, says something about the quality of the film. It's, yeah, it's shot well, but really it's very convoluted. It's all over the place. The acting is bad. It really was not a movie that I felt I got anything out of. Yeah, I would say I don't recommend. I think I'm in the same boat. It reminded me a lot. There was a movie that came out last year. And it was about, like, four girls. And I don't remember what that movie was called. But it was, like, the whole town got each other's, like, social media information. They all turned against each other. But it reminded me a lot of that movie. Um, so no recommend for me. No recommend from John. Anthony? Uh, no recommend for me. The movie is Assassination Nation. Oh, yeah. And that movie was super bonkers. And it was just, like, this really, like... I hate to say it because we all are them, but like that, like millennial type, like, like, like faux empowerment kind of thing where like women are just like, Oh, beat the shit out of me kind of thing. Like it had a lot of that to it. And I don't know how I feel about that. Like I said, being someone who's not a woman, I don't feel like I can really make a judgment call there, but also like, you don't have to lie to anybody, John. It's, (laughs) it's just, it's, it's rough. and, And the way that it's portrayed is super cheesy. All right, so moving on to the next one, we are going to discuss this one a little bit further. This is going to be from the 6th, and it is the 2016 movie, The Barn. And although it was shot in 2016, it doesn't have a 2016 feel. 
So I'll send it over to you, John, to give this one more discussion. Yeah, it's definitely meant to be like an 80s throwback. I went back after watching the film and watched some of the trailers, like, and that's its biggest selling point, is that it's like it's like that 80s kind of, you know, campy, cheesy horror film, you know, based around Halloween. And I fucking loved it. Like so campy. This was the so cheesy. This was the best film of the bunch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's campy in a way where it's doing it artistically yes it's doing artistic camp which is what a lot of these movies they're campy because they're bad because the acting is bad they're doing it intentionally in this for comedic effect and for the feel of the movie and i said at one point to me it felt very much like trick-or-treat with all of the halloween rules which this movie got me the most in the spirit too everything is decorated very classic like rural halloween you have the practical the great practical oh my god the effects are so incredible yeah and you have all the halloween rules that the main character comes up with i said it was like trick-or-treat meets like scott pilgrim or something Mm -hmm. where they have to it's almost like they have to go defeat each individual boss level (laughs) you know to and and then it had like a cabin in the woods type ending yeah well and uh, yeah the like as far as like the the concept it's it's a pretty basic in its base concept like there's this barn and it has these creepy characters in it. And if you knock on the door three times and say trick or treat, then you get put on their on their on list their of, shit list. On their list of people to feed to the devil in order to help keep harvest. And classic. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a it's a very basic concept in horror, but they find ways to add layers to it. They have like your typical like like oh don't come around here, youngins kind of person. Oh, I mean this movie yeah. is full of tropes, full, full of tropes and cliches, but like they do it on purpose. Right, like, they know what they're doing and they know what they're making. We get the old school like what happened before trope. We get the drunk trope like don't do this. We get the final girl. We get the guy with his best friend. Like I mean, it's yeah. all in the here. characters we get that the, the characters that have sex and then one of them dies. You right. know, like oh, the, 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 the girl the, that immediately gets nude the, gets killed. The the black gentleman's the one that dies first. <laughs> yeah. Oh like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like they're like all of them are there. But like I said, it's not. It's it's meant to in one hand lampoon and in one hand to um to put on a pedestal like the horror films of yesteryear. Yeah, right? it ha- it has reverence for a lot of classic Halloween movies and just Halloween in general. You can tell that the people that worked on it love Halloween. And they just love the Halloween spirit, and it just has so much of that spirit infused. And it's genu- like genuinely really fun to watch, really cool style. Like you said, the effects are great because they're just over the top and practical. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't try to be anything fancy. It knows that it's kind of a you know grindhouse type film mm-hmm. with all of this kind of childlike uh, nostalgia mixed in with it, with all the bloody gore and everything. And and yeah, for me, I. It was definitely my favorite of the bunch, and I would absolutely recommend it, yeah. It reminded me of, uh, you guys ever see that show, I think it's Todd in the Book of Pure Evil? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that, where that's super cheesy, but it knows it. It knows it's cheesy, and it knows it's going to be over the top, and it knows it's ridiculous. And, I mean, we got a scarecrow in this with candy corn teeth. Yeah. This movie knew what they were doing. See, I wouldn't have been shocked if I I had seen that, like... Sam Raimi was producing this film or something because it just it they had to have known somebody they had or, or they are just some of the biggest horror fans that, I've ever lived. That is like, a good comparison. It did give me a lot of like Evil Dead Two type vibes where they right. know what they're doing with the horror comedy. Yeah, exactly. And just a great ending. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm yeah. so glad that the way it ended. I, I was like, what's gonna happen? What can it be? And then I was like, oh. Then it just leans. It just leans into the ending, and it's it it's perfect. Yeah. I think I threw my hand up. <laughs> like yeah. J- Judd Nelson style. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
But yeah, that's a one thousand percent recommend for me. This would be like like in a situation where I'm creating like a like a perfect like all the movies are around Halloween thing. This would be in like the the final week of well, October for me. Well, and, and like I already said, I mean, it, it's a recommendation for me, it, definitely. And I think that we can all agree that this is probably something that would be super suited to just adding to things like trick or treat and, and those movies that we want to put in our last week, every, you know, when we do this again next year, 100% the only movie on this list that I would revisit so far that we've watched. And not only would I recommend it, but I already have <laughs> yeah. to other people. I was like, check out the barn. Cause I know your style and this is right up your alley. Yeah. So yeah, if you like camp and you like a good time, then we 100% recommend that from all of porcelain peak. All right, then the last one that we are going to talk about for you guys is just going to be brief, and it is the 2006 movie that we watched on the 7th, and this one is called Collingswood Story. This one is Blair Witch meets Unfriended, and meets, it's all on webcams. It meets a nap, because I fucking like, fell asleep during this show. Well, one thing that I was thinking was that they have all these scenes where they could have built tension, where it's like, oh, there's shots behind them in the dark, and they just do nothing with it. It's just a fucking boring movie. Yeah. And the concept is dated. The programming that they're using is dated. It's just, it just wasn't worth they the took, time. They took all the wrong lessons from trying to copy Blair Witch, which is exactly what they were trying to do. And people who don't like Blair Witch will say that Blair Witch is boring and nothing happens for the whole movie, but that's not true. There are things happening to build tension. There are things happening that are slightly creepy but not in your face. This movie was just boring with nothing happening and then was like, well, then Blair Witch had this shaky cam in the dark craziness at the end, and that's all this movie does. And then even that part is disappointing when you actually find out what's happening. There's almost no music. There's almost no production values. There's there's just the random cut at the end of the guy like, with his eyes cut out or whatever. Uh, I mean, I think the only real part that had any, like, real tension building and any real scares for me was the was the the hotline medium. I thought I thought that, that part was a little dope. She Helen just reminded me of, like, Morpheus. Yeah. Kinda, yeah, but, <laughs> like, the like, the sunglasses. Yeah. But I think, like, having, like, the candles in the background yeah. and, like, having, like, the whole spiel. Like, like I liked that. Well, I thought that could have been done better in a different film. Maybe reworked and not put on, like the world's fakest operating system. Right. Like, and you, you liked the, the male actor. I was going to say, the only redeeming thing about this movie for me was that the male actor who plays the boyfriend is not a terrible actor. Yeah. He's actually pretty good and believable, and everyone else is not and pretty corny. The and, girl is really And the girl bad. is pretty bad. Yeah. 